This podcast is for adults only and it contains copious amounts of filth, sex and filthy sex. You've been warned. Hello, this is Rob and I am all on my own. Um, as with the previous kind of special episode, people are unavailable and um, we didn't want to not release something. So what I'm going to do instead is just completely recap what's happened on the story. Basically going to just read the whole thing out loud from start to finish. No interruptions, no giggling, no comments, just pure storyline. So pour yourself a glass of wine, um, run a hot bath, get the shower head out, and just enjoy it, really. Here we go. Chapter 1. The Sultry Russian Daniel's cock was already hard as the young Russian slid down his briefs and let his manhood fill the sticky office air. She smiled and looked up at him, biting her lip. It was a look that Daniel had seen many times before. He knew that his dick was not the biggest in the world, but it wasn't small either, perhaps an inch or two above average, but it was perfectly smooth, thick, and as straight as an arrow. It was the kind of shaft that never received gasps or nervous frowns from women, just smiles and the licking of lips. It was a cock that made women happy. The blonde girl, whom he had met only half an hour earlier, looked right into his eyes and smiled once more. Then she lowered her head and took him deep into her eager mouth. It had been quite a morning for Daniel, when his train had been delayed at Stratford a few hours prior, he wouldn't have dreamed that his day would turn out the way it was going. That delay had set him on edge. He was usually so calm and stoic when facing challenges. Up until that announcement had pierced the stuffy carriage air, he had barely thought about today's interview at all. He was always cool-headed. He was known for it. His friends at university had called him Iceman, but it was a nickname he had always protested. He felt it made people think of him as uncaring, which wasn't true. He always tried to put others first, especially women. Chivalry was not dead in Daniel's eyes. His father had taught him to be a gentleman at all times. He stood when ladies entered, held the door for them, offered them his seat. It was a courtesy that not all women enjoyed. Some were even offended. But there was nothing malicious or sexist in his actions, just the desire to make the fairer sex happy. What was wrong with that? The other reason for the nickname Iceman was that Daniel was a man of few words. Strong and silent seemed like a cliché, as years of daily swimming had given him the physique to go with it. But he'd always found that sometimes you could speak a great deal by saying very little. When he spoke, people paid attention. And when he wasn't speaking, he was listening, quietly digesting all he was told. As Natalia slowly guided Daniel's meaty dick deeper and deeper down her throat, her eyes remained fixed on his. They might have been the bluest eyes that he'd ever seen, he looked hard to see if she was wearing coloured lenses, but no, they were all natural. The tip of his member hit the back of her throat. She didn't gag, she didn't wince, and she didn't stop. Further, she swallowed him down, until soon, the full length of his manhood had disappeared into the back of her mouth. Still, her eyes remained locked on his. She held this position as for as long as she could, always holding that gaze, until her need for oxygen forced her to release him. He slipped back out between her soft lips and she breathed deep, while softly stroking his balls. Then, faster this time, her mouth opened again and she took his cock back inside. Daniel groaned and threw his head back, closing his eyes. 
he could feel his heart pounding in his chest. The delayed train earlier had caused him to be late for the interview. He hated being late when it was not his fault. He planned to get a double espresso and read the times at Starbucks to get into the right mindset before his allotted time. But when the train finally pulled into Liverpool Street, he had only minutes remaining. He cursed at the train as he swiftly walked out of the station towards Finsbury Square. He'd refused to run. Running would have made him sweaty and the interview panel might have thought him as the nervous type. He just strode along at a pace. If he was late, so be it. When he arrived at Turner Finch, the first person he laid eyes on was Natalia. She was crossing the reception lobby towards the lift. He had watched in awe at her swinging derriere in those tight leggings. It had stirred his primal urges. All of his being yearned to fuck her. When she had got into the lift and turned to face him, she saw him standing on the marble floor. Maybe he had screamed out as an interviewee in his fitted blue suit and portfolio in hand. Maybe it was his full six foot of muscular physique. Either way, she'd smiled at him, just slightly. Daniel had wanted to go over to her there and then, but the doors had closed and she was gone. He held on to the thought of that smile as he purposefully crossed the lobby towards the reception. Little did he know that within 25 minutes, those lips would be pressed tightly around his enormous cock. After checking in with reception, Daniel was escorted through the building by a middle-aged woman called Faye. Faye was attractive in a different way. Her good-natured and warm personality, she greeted everyone they passed by name, and it was clear that she was exceptionally good at putting people at ease. The company was lucky to have a liaison to the outside world such as her. When they got out of the elevator on the 18th floor, Daniel looked back over the balcony at the large foyer. It was bustling with creative types as they hurried to desks and meeting rooms. He spied a Damien Hurst spin painting on the far wall and silently nodded his approval. Turner Finch had been one of the city's leading advertising firms since 2011, new by its competitive standards, but their approach to their work was revolutionary. Prior to founding the company, Magnus Finch had won two coveted D&D awards while still at university for his campaigns promoting third world awareness. His work had continued when the company was founded, and the industry rumour mill was even worrying about the possibility of Finch receiving a Nobel Peace Prize someday. Nicole Turner had an equally impressive history. She studied in America, and her poster designs were one of the reasons that the former president had been elected. Furthermore, she'd been the mastermind behind campaigns for Nike, Google, Apple, McDonald's, you name it, she'd done it. When Turner and Finch had started the company, their motto was, perfection is not good enough, standards were high at this place. Faye had left Daniel in a small anteroom outside a large office. There was no name on the office door, and the assistant's desk by the window was empty. Faye's parting words were to wait to be called, and good luck. She gave him a corny thumb up as she walked away, which made him smile. Daniel had started spending the time by sizing up his opposition, for he was not alone while he waited. There were three other well-dressed individuals with an A3 leather portfolio much like his own, two ladies and a man. He guessed all were in his late 20s, early 30s maybe, much like himself. And all three were good-looking people. Daniel had guessed that they were using their waiting time to go over their pre-prepared answers to tough interview questions. Perhaps he should have been doing the same, but that was not how Daniel spent the five minutes before he was called through. His mind had wandered back to the blonde girl he'd seen gliding across the lobby and into the lift. He'd sat there, imagining her bent down on all fours as he slowly peeled down her tight leggings, revealing her delicious ass. The thought had given him a stir in his crotch region, 
and he was forced to push it from his mind before his manhood became fully hard in front of a room full of strangers. The intercom buzzed, breaking the silence in the room. Everyone turned their heads to look at the small speaker on the assistant's desk. Mr Hardwood, please. On hearing this, the other three interviewees had sunk back into their chairs. Then they eyeballed Daniel as he stood and walked to the large door. No doubt they were annoyed that the last to arrive was the first to be called through. He stopped outside and composed himself for a brief second, then knocked and entered. Now that Natalia was sliding her tongue up and down Daniel's smooth shaft, it seemed odd to him that just 15 minutes earlier, the so-called Iceman had been lost for words when he first entered the office of one of his idols. As he had entered the room, his eyes first saw the six gigantic magazine adverts blown up and in sleek black frames. These dominated the entire side walls of the stark, white, spacious office. The opposite wall was all glass, with a breathtaking view over the bustling metropolis below. In front of this was a huge square marble desk. Nothing was on the desk except for the latest iMac computer and a single glass of water. Behind it sat a woman in her mid-thirties. She had jet black hair, tied back into a tight bun. The bun was banned with a simple wooden pencil. She removed her blood-red glasses as Daniel entered, and he had noticed the colour matched her lipstick, as well as the small pin on the lapel of her striped blouse. Daniel had recognised her immediately. It was Nicole Turner herself. "'Good morning, Dan,' she said. "'They tell me you were late.' "'Miss Turner,' he said as he approached her desk, "'it's an honour to meet you, but I'm afraid you've been misinformed. "'I wasn't late. I was bang on time.' At this, the company's highest-level woman had stared at him for what seemed like an eternity before breaking into a smile. That's good, Dan, she said. Dan. He didn't usually like it when people shortened his name, but oddly, he did from this woman. Again, she paused and just looked at him. This time, her gaze drifted from his eyes, slowly down his body, all the way to his shoes, then back up again. She even seemed to study his hair before she eventually met his gaze again. Daniel took in her appearance too, she was a few years older than himself, but didn't look it. There was no doubt that she was beautiful. Her skin was darker than it should be this time of year. Perhaps she had some Mediterranean blood in her. She had the curves of a Latina. When she spoke, Daniel got the slightest hint of an American accent from her time in the States. He also got the impression that she rarely let her professionalism down, especially in front of her employees. This gave her a hard edge, but her deep brown eyes hinted at something playful beneath the surface. When Daniel looked into them, he could almost see secrets bubbling beneath him. So, Iceman, she began. This knocked Daniel for six. How had she known that nickname? Only Daniel's friends used that. Who had they spoken to? When can you start, she finished. Now this really threw Daniel off guard. Had he missed the interview? He stammered for a response. He became extremely self-aware very quickly. I, um... I have my folio of work. Dan, she interrupted, smiling again. I don't need to see that. I know all about your work. I saw the piece you did for Gumbo last month. I saw the material that your team created for Bishop and Cromwell too. The identity you created for the Swan Springer group was inspired. Hell, I've even read your university dissertation about the power of repetition. You impress me, Dan. Okay, thank you. Daniel was still struggling for words. There was something about this woman that made him lose his cool. She made him feel like an awkward teen again. So why invite me in for an interview? At this, Daniel let out a small laugh and clapped her hands together. I just wanted to get a good look at you, she said, and locked her eyes on his again, waiting for his response. He swallowed, 
but her kind words had started to pull his confidence back and he returned the smile. Do you like what you see? he asked with a grin. Again, she eyed him from head to toe, still smiling. She leaned back in her chair slightly and put her hands behind her head. I think we could work well together, she mused. What about the others, he said, thinking of the other interviewees waiting outside. Are there more job openings? They are your new team, she replied. Though they don't know it yet. Collectively, you're the crack team that my partner and I have assembled. Between you, we believe you have the expertise to pull off some massive campaigns we've got coming up for some tricky clients too. Shortly, myself or Magnus will speak to them individually. Then you can all meet and talk over lunch. Sound good? Daniel just nodded. Good, we'll arrange your start date and all the orientation nonsense later. Those details are all a bore to me and I've got a great deal on my calendar today. I'm going to ask my assistant to look after you for half an hour or so, then you can meet the team. She clicked the computer mouse and waited a second or two. She's on her way. I should warn you though, my assistant is a mute. She had some terrible trouble in her home country when she was a girl. Sad business. You won't get a word out of her, I'm afraid. Though I doubt conversation will be on your mind. She grinned at this. Daniel looked at her quizzically, but then a door he had not seen opened, and in walked a familiar pair of legs. Dan, this is Natalia. Natalia smiled at Daniel, but didn't put forward her hand to shake. Instead, she casually leaned back against the marble desk and looked up at Daniel. Her legs were slightly apart, and Daniel was again turned on by her striking figure. She wore knee-length boots, and her top half was covered by a simple white shirt, which was fitted slightly too tight and showed her slim waist and the curve of her breasts. She wore no bra and didn't seem to mind the fact that he could see the outline of her nipples, which were hard against the cotton. Interestingly, her neck bore a scar. It went from down near her collarbone, right up to just below her jaw. But it didn't look repulsive. If anything, it gave her an air of mystery, like a femme fatale or a female Bond villain. Daniel had thought that she looked even hotter from the front, but the thought of that juicy bottom which was perched on the desk made him yearn for her. Her blue eyes seemed to be mentally undressing him too, but he couldn't be sure of this. Natalia, Miss Turner said, breaking the sexual tension. Would you kindly take Mr Hardwood into my personal executive lounge for half an hour and take good care of him? He's our newest team member, and the two of you will no doubt be seeing a lot more of each other in the future, so it'd be so good if you got along. Natalia nodded. Then the CEO got up from behind a desk and walked around to Natalia. Daniel noticed her feet were bare and she had exquisite legs. She stopped next to her assistant, pulled her blonde locks to one side and whispered in her ear. Daniel could not hear what she said, but Natalia's eyes flicked back onto Daniel and she grinned. Then the Russian abruptly walked off the way she had come. She looked back over her shoulder at Daniel as if an invite to follow. Her boss watched her walk away and then padded back around the desk and slumped back into her chair. She was still smiling. Thank you, Miss Turner, for this opportunity. I won't let you down, he said. I'm sure you won't, she said. I'm looking forward to get to know you more in the coming months and I hope your reputation lives up to itself. Ice man. She gave him a wink and then looked back down at her computer. Daniel's cue to follow Natalia through the door. So this is how Daniel had found himself in one of Turner Finch's most prestigious executive rooms with a stunning blonde Russian giving her all into sucking his cock. As soon as they had entered the room, she had taken her shirt off without even looking back at him. Then she had spun round and flopped backwards onto the sofa. She lay on her back, raised her legs in the air and one by one unzipped her boots. Daniel strode toward her, unbuttoning his shirt as he went. 
Soon it fell off his muscular shoulders and fell to the floor next to hers. He grabbed each boot and pulled them off with a force that seemed to both surprise and excite the sexy blonde Russian. She sat up and kissed him full on the lips. Her tongue darted into his mouth as he grabbed hold of her hair. Daniel's own hand quickly moved into her perfectly perp breasts. He could feel her nipples like pebbles against his palms. When at last she stopped kissing, she bit his lip gently and let out a heavily muted moan. It was like a cat purring. Daniel lowered his head and covered her whole nipple with his mouth. It went even harder as he flicked his tongue across it. She threw her head back, her hair falling to her lower back. She was sitting over him and Daniel grabbed her hips, throwing her back on the sofa, much to her delight. He parted her legs and started kissing her nether region through her leggings. He could feel moisture seeping through. He tasted sweet and like an oasis on this sweaty, hot day in the city. Just like he imagined doing earlier, he grabbed her again by the hips and flipped her onto her stomach. Then he pulled her up onto all fours where he could see the full glory of her peach-like behind. It was a thing of beauty. Like a skilled surgeon, he peeled back her black leggings and found no underwear. He pulled them all the way off and then kissed her buttocks. He also ran one hand up between her legs where it found her wet love tunnel. He pushed a finger inside and she pushed back, welcoming him in. He twisted her hand onto her side and fell beside her. He wanted to see her face as he pleasured her. Her hips gyrated with his hand as he pleasured her clit and vagina together. Her movements became faster and faster and her hand raised up to his face where she scratched his cheek. Not enough to leave a mark, but enough for him to feel it. This new sensation made his cock bulge against his briefs. Almost like she sensed this, she guided his hand away from her and clasped it behind his head next to his other hand. He lay on his back as she lowered herself down his body and undid his trousers. Soon she was taking his thick wedge into his mouth with a skill that he had not known before. She kept this up for several minutes with no signs of letting up. Daniel realised that if he had let her, she would finish him right now with her mouth, but he wanted more and didn't want to leave her without at least one orgasm. So he snaked his hand through her hair and pulled her head up. She instinctively moved with him. When he tried to shift her onto her back, her body refused. Instead, she pushed him upright on the sofa and straddled him. Her hands stayed on the sides of his face as she lowered herself slowly down onto his erect member. She bit her lip as he went fully inside her, then started to grind in unison, gently at first, but quickening all the time. The whole while, Natalia's blue eyes stared deeply into Daniel's. Soon he was thrusting with a fierceness that seemed to delight her as she pushed back with an even force. Sweat dripped onto the sofa from both their bodies. They climaxed together. She started first, but the feel of her body in gentle spasm and her vagina tightening around his cock just tipped him over the edge. He let out a manly roar which made her smile and she kissed him tenderly. They stayed in that position for several minutes, both wanting the feeling to go on for as long as possible. But eventually Natalia pulled herself off him. She didn't dress. Instead she just walked to the large window overlooking the street below. Daniel watched as she took a cigarette from a silver box on the counter and lit it while staring out of the window. Daniel, still naked, went and stood beside her. She took the cigarette from her own mouth and offered it to him. Usually he only smoked on special occasions, but when he thought about it, this was a very special occasion indeed. He held it to his lips and inhaled deeply. Standing here with one of the most beautiful women he had ever fucked beside him, 
He wondered if his day could get any better. He was in an exclusive lounge of a company he had always dreamed of working for. They just offered him the job of his dreams. His new boss was smart and sexy. He wondered if he could ever charm his way into bending Miss Turner over that marble desk. He smiled at the thought. All of London was spread out before him, and he felt the sun's heat on his naked body. Then he glanced at Natalia. She looked him up and down, smiled, and bit her lip again. This new job was going to be quite an adventure. Chapter 2. The Steel Chair It'd be an hour or so since the blonde Russian left the taste of nicotine and herself lingering on Daniel's lips. She had left him admiring the view below as she loosely clothed herself and exited the lounge. Daniel too, upon realising Natalia had departed, redressed, making himself look presentable, and returned to the window to watch the city's people flurry before him. That's what he would say should anyone come in and inquire, however truthfully, it zoned out from the world around him as he continually replayed over in his head what had just happened. A gentle three-tapped knock was heard on the door at the far end of the room. Daniel turned from the window and started to walk towards the door as the door started to open. I hear congratulations are in order, beckoned that familiar, comforting, bubbly voice. Faye, replied Daniel in his typical charming manner. They continued to walk towards one another, Faye with her arms flung wide, indicating a celebratory hug was to be had. Meeting at the centre point of the room, the sofa, they gently embraced one another. Faye was a good half foot shorter than Daniel, her head meeting his shoulders as she nestled in. Oh, well done, young man. I knew you'd do it, said Faye with a glee, whilst giving Daniel a squeeze. It must have been those lucky thumbs up of yours that gave me the edge, Daniel playfully responded. Oh, you silly. Oh, oh, oh no. Faye's tone changed mid-sentence as her eye line lowered and was met by something she was unfamiliar with. She took a step back from Daniel. Daniel tried to follow her line of vision to see what had caused to visibly shock Faye. Are you okay, Faye? softly asked Daniel, as he placed a comforting hand on her shoulder. What? What is that? exclaimed Faye, as she bent down with a finger readily poised. That? That? she repeated, as she prodded and scooped up on her finger some liquid, which was glistening on the beautiful Italian handcrafted leather upholstered furniture piece. Daniel now saw what Faye had seen, a small pool of cum. Daniel's brain churned out a plethora of thoughts instantaneously. Was it his? Was it Natalia's? Most importantly, he can't let lovely innocent Faye realise what it is. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, this is my fault, he started to explain. Natalia led me in here after my interview, and she brought in a couple of flutes of bubbles to toast. As we clinked glasses, I did so with some vigour, and at the time I thought I must have spilt some, but I just couldn't see where. With that, the Iceman persona kicked in. Daniel smoothly whipped out his pocket square, wiped the cum off Faye's finger and swooped down to mop up the remains on the sofa and placed it back in his trouser pocket in one fluid motion. The smile almost instantly returned to Faye's face as she proceeded to sniff her finger. Ugh! Smells awful! That probably means it's hellishly expensive, she chuckled. As she walked off with her back to him, Daniel took back out the handkerchief and inhaled the square of material filling his lungs with the raw aroma. Instantly, blood started pumping back down to his cock, and his mind started to flood with the primal urges that had not long left him. Daniel's hands slid towards his groin, where he started to touch himself over his trousers, all the time his dick swelling with excitement. Ice man! pierced the air. 
instantly returning Daniel to a flaccid state. Nicole Turner waited at the door, and Daniel certainly wasn't going to keep her. Ten minutes and you'll be meeting your team, instructed Nicole. Excellent, can't wait, infused Daniel, before more gingerly adding, Um, whereabouts the lose? Nicole smirked. She noted the rosier cheeks and slightly dishevelled hair. She knows exactly what's just happened. After all, unbeknown to Daniel, she had orchestrated it. Just there on the left, she pointed. As he walked off, Nicole swung into the lounge. She was only too familiar with the scent that filled the room, and it gave her a rush. She waltzed barefoot over to the bookcase and removed the webcam she had installed prior to his interview. Daniel entered the toilets. For decor, for luxurious materials used, for designer hand towels, the reed infusers, everything was high-end, ostentatious, superfluous. He knew he was somewhere where they cared about image and prestige. He approached the urinals, which were all shaped as open mouths with bright red lips, like the lips from Rocky Horror. A gent was occupying one receptacle already. Wow, these are different, explained Daniel as he started unzipping. Wow, indeed, replied the stranger, who occupied the adjacent pair of lips, looking over his shoulder at Daniel. Not being sure of what was meant by his comment, Daniel looked back at him. As he did so, the stranger's eyes swiftly moved subtly as he took a step back from the urinal. The guy was making no attempt at hiding what he was looking at, and clearly by his erection he was enjoying the view. Daniel was caught off guard, for the second time today. This was not the norm. Dude, I'm... 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 I'm flattered, truly, stuttered Daniel, as he couldn't help but take view of the stranger's erection. I'm... I'm just not into guys, though, he said, almost with a sad note to his voice. Daniel had never seen a dick this big, and more perfectly formed. He was definitely in awe, totally jealous, almost transfixed by it, and struggled to break eye contact with it. It's cool replied the gent, as if nothing had happened. Daniel's trance was broken by his voice, and now made eye contact with him. Looking at him directly, he thought he recognised this man, but was frustrated why he couldn't put his finger on when, or how, maybe, maybe he just had one of those faces. I guess, you don't know if you don't ask, shrugged Daniel, as he felt his right arm reach out, uncontrollably so, as if it were possessed. The guy seeing this green light, guided his massive rod into Daniel's hand. The first thing Daniel noticed was how muscular and heavy it felt in his palm, and how he couldn't quite fully close his hand around it. Daniel was so nervous he was convinced he must be shaking like he had tremors, but in reality, his hand glided gently, smoothly and sensually up and down the shaft, a bleat to his own disbelief. But from the base up, the veiny trunk to the bulbous head, Daniel was savouring every moment. The stranger kept watch while Daniel, with his right hand, continues to explore. After what felt like hours, but in reality was minutes, Daniel inserted his thumb, index finger and middle fingers of his right hand into his own mouth and wet them. He then licked the palm of his hand. He held the three wet digits tightly at the tip of the penis and allowed the girth of his beast to gently split them apart as he pushed his hand slowly down the shaft, ensuring the helmet glided across his moistened palm. Daniel now went on to feel and gently caress the balls, forgetting himself entirely. He even envied this ball sack, hair free and big. Daniel commented enviously, at least everything is well proportioned. The guy grimaced, but didn't reply. He wanted to keep silent so he could hear any footsteps from the corridor. As the man started to softly moan in reaction to the tightened grip on his cock, 
Daniel's hand became increasingly wet from the pre-cum that had started to ooze from the stranger. Daniel started to contemplate the thought of kneeling before him to taste this. His inner monologue was racing. But I'm not gay. What does this mean? What are you doing? Why can't I stop? Okay, breathe, calm down and just do it, he thought to himself. Daniel knew this was what he wanted, as he stood there, hard as a rock and almost starting to drip with pleasure. He took the most nerve-wracking single breath of his life. As he did so, the guy pulled away sharply and started to tuck everything back away. Sorry, dude, I've got to go somewhere. Hopefully catch up with you another time. And with not more of a word, he scarpered. Daniel was left bemused and felt ever so slightly rejected. Did he do something wrong? He couldn't shake the image of that cock out of his head. He'd never thought of guys in that way before, ever. He's a ladies' man, through and through. But this cock... The more he recalled it, the more it turned him on. The more he wanted it. He pulled out the still wet pocket square and wiped his hand on the remaining dry area. Walking towards the sink, he noticed the clock on the wall and realised he was going to be late too. He rapidly splashed cold water on his face and dabbed dry with the towels provided. Pull yourself together, man, he uttered to himself. He put what just could occur to him in the back of his mind. Whatever feelings this had caused, today was the not the day to deal with them. He rejoined the corridor and he saw Nicole walking in his direction. The red button which she wore on her lapel gently grazed him as she glided past, softly saying, This way. He followed her through a set of double doors, all the time trying to mentally distance himself as far as possible from his toilet liaison. Nicole led him into a meeting room. Guys, this is your new boss, Daniel Hardwood. Let me do some introductions. This is Rebecca Rantree from White and Watts, advised Nicole. She looked mid-thirties, a brunette with a smart bob, stylish glasses and a charcoal grey suit. He leaned over to her to shake her hand, noticing she had a band on her wedding finger. And whilst saying the usual, pleasure to meet you, he smelt the delightful notes of her perfume and instantly recognised it as Chanel. This is Emily Cunningham, previously of Needle in a Haystack. Emily looked much younger, stood confidently in her almost 80s reminiscent trouser suit and had beautiful loose ginger curls. He instantly noted the emerald in her green eyes. Great to meet you, Daniel said as he shook her hand. And finally, Josh Inman from The Steel Chair. Daniel looked at Josh and instantly realised. A thousand thoughts entered his mind simultaneously. He felt like everything was going in slow motion. He literally couldn't believe it. He couldn't think of a way out of this. The Iceman had lost his cool demeanour. His loudest thought, now drowning out everything else, repeating at him... Fuck! 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 The toilet guy! Daniel was forced to recall that glorious thick cock in every minute detail. By doing so, his face became flush. He knew he had to shake Josh's hand, and he also knew he had to calm down. He stretched his right arm out to the man once more, remembering the last time he did so, his palm was more than filled by his manhood. As his handshake was reciprocated, he took a single step to the right to position himself behind a chair as he felt the swell return to his trousers. His mouth had dried up like a desert through nerves and anxiety. All he could muster as a greeting was a rather croaky, Hi. Josh confidently replied with, It's wonderful to meet you. We've heard a great deal of things about you. I can't wait to work under your guidance. Daniel, still stunned, still working out the consequences might befall him from his earlier actions, remained silent. As he looked up at Josh and looked onto those deep brown eyes, Josh winked at him and said, Great handshake, by the way. Chapter 3. The Campaign 
Everything was going exactly to plan, she thought, with giddy delight as her executive car pulled up outside her luxury apartment that evening. Nicole Turner had been struggling with the mundanity of everyday life for several years. Having achieved so much at such a young age, she no longer had the drive nor the inclination to push her marketing career any further. Turner Finch was now a well-established and highly lucrative agency, and consequently, Nicole's life largely consisted of being wined and dined by clients and journalists that, despite her professional facade, she could not really give a damn about. Her relationship with Magnus Finch, her company partner and husband, was no better. When they had married in 2008, it had so much promise. On paper, they were the ideal couple. Both were attractive, outgoing, and perfectly aligned in their career successes and ambitions. And then there was the sex. The sex was mind-blowing. Nicole could still remember her first encounter with Magnus vividly. They were both guest speakers at a European marketing conference in Versailles. As soon as she caught sight of him on that stage, her pancake fold was throbbing with sexual arousal and her silk knickers were soaked through in a matter of seconds. An hour later, she was frantically riding his sizeable penis in the eucalyptus-infused steam room of a luxury hotel where the conference was taking place. From that moment, they were inseparable. Six months and 245 Kama Sutra positions later, the pair were very much in love with a romantic engagement and secret wedding soon to follow. Things were different now. Magnus was frequently away promoting his third world campaigns, and when he was in London, he was too busy or tired to pay Nicole any attention. It's not that she begrudged Magnus his charitable pursuits. How could she? It was one of the things she loved about him. It was just that, like most women, Nicole craved affection and a good seeing to from time to time, and these needs were no longer being fulfilled. It was an average Monday evening, a few weeks prior, when Nicole had experienced the Eureka moment. Following a light sushi dinner, she was pleasuring herself with the handheld shower head pressed against her clitoris when the idea struck her. The marketing agency would be the ideal setting for a semi-simulated erotic show. Nicole had previous experience in the porn industry. Thanks to her tennis abilities at school, she had been fortunate enough to win a scholarship to a well-respected university in the States where she had majored in business marketing. However, her parents were unable to support her financially during her studies, and so when she saw posters in her university laundrette recruiting for erotic movie actors, she thought she would give it a try for some extra cash. As luck would have it, Nicole turned out to be very popular for blowjob scenes, thanks to her luscious lips and deep throat, something she never knew she had until then. Nicole had set the plan into motion the following morning, she appointed a specialist recruiter to headhunt her for an upcoming marketing professional who would be responsible for managing a major new campaign. Nicole's requirements were very specific. In addition to having the right skills and expertise, this candidate would need to be an attractive and athletic-looking male with good manners and calm demeanour. This man would be the uninformed star of the show. His team and support staff would be a combination of unwitting professionals like him and a couple of erotic actors employed to entice him and the others into explicit sexual scenarios. Nicole chuckled to herself as she poured a large glass of Merlot and thought about the day's events. It had been fairly predictable that Daniel would succumb to the charms of the beautiful mute Russian, who was actually neither mute nor Russian, but a brash Essex girl from Basildon. But Josh Inman was a real surprise. Although in fairness to Daniel, who could deny that huge, perfectly formed cock? She knew she certainly couldn't. However, her absolute favourite scene of the day 
was the cum-based encounter between Daniel and Faye. Faye's innocence and motherly nature added a little something extra to the storyline. Nicole was excited about the show's potential to be something more than her personal porn stash, although Magnus could never be told, because he would never permit her to do such a thing. Anyway, this was a way for another day, she thought, as she lay back in her hot tub. She spread her legs wide and moved closer and closer to the water jets, imagining it was Daniel's tongue against her clit, until the stimulation was so intense that she soared into orgasm. Chapter 4. A Sexual Awakening As Nicole was enjoying the jet stream from her hot tub, the doorbell rang. Who could that be at this time of night, she wondered, intrigued by who the visitor could be. For a second, she thought it would be Magnus, returning early from his trip and forgot his key. No, it can't be, she thought to herself. He would normally have let her know by now if he were going to be home. Although it wouldn't be a bad thing if he were back early, she said to herself as she smiled. As she wrapped her silk robe around her wet, naked body, she started to tiptoe her way to the front door. Peering into the eyepiece, she was astonished as to who it was. Come in, Nicole said calmly in her confident manner. Any hint of surprise was hidden by her demeanour. I wasn't expecting to see you until tomorrow morning, when we have the staff briefing. Sorry to drop in like this, but I thought it might be better to discuss this matter in hand out of the office, the visitor replied as she walked past Nicole and made her way to the sofa. As she eyed Nicole's attire, she knew she had interrupted Nicole's evening, which she had intended to do all along. Walking over to the bar, Nicole poured herself a gin and tonic, but didn't offer her guest one. Settling into an armchair, Nicole faced her and slowly crossed her right leg over the other. Before speaking, she took a sip of her drink. Is there a problem? she asked, in her soft American accent. Not at all, I just wondered if everything today went according as you'd planned. Smiling, Nicole took another mouthful of her drink. It went better than expected. Tomorrow is another day. Let's see what Mr Hardwood will get up to with his team. I have great plans for you. The two women discussed the plans at great depths, which eventually made Nicole feel exhausted. She closed her eyes and her companion took this opportunity and made her way over to her slowly and parted Nicole's legs. Before she knew it, she could feel her clitoris being teased. It had been a while since she had felt this sensation, as Magnus was away a lot of the time, and she soon moaned with pleasure. She wasn't impartial to girl-on-girl action, but it had been a while since she last experienced this. As a porn star known for her blowjob lips and deep throating, she was often cast with men, and she was known as rooster jaws. But sometimes, there would be roles where they wanted an innocent English rose who sought comfort in the arms of another woman. Nicole's mind went back to when she was first called to an all-girl porn film and remembered how thrilled she was as she was beginning to get bored of sucking cocks all day in, day out. If you've seen one wiener, you've seen it all. That was when she met Alicia and had her first sexual encounter with a woman. Alicia had been in the porn business for a number of years and seen it all. Seeing Nicole on the set of the first shoot, Alicia went straight over to her while she was in makeup. You must be my new partner in crime. Alicia drawled in her southern bell accent. Turning, Nicole saw that the voice belonged to a petite woman with long wavy brown hair that was held tight together by a side plait. Her emerald eyes smiled and lighted up her pretty face. Before Nicole could respond, Alicia leaned in and planted a kiss on her lips. I look forward to working with you, kiddo, and made her way to wardrobe. It was a partnership that worked well, too well in fact, and they soon become lovers 
with Nicole moving in with Alicia. Nicole continued with her studies and carried on making a number of adult films to fund it. It was not long before the honeymoon period was over. Nicole recalled that fateful night, something she had not done since the accident as she had buried it away in her past, in her former life that was to be forgotten. She is the CEO of Turner Finch and she had worked hard to get the life she has now. She cannot afford for her past to come back and haunt her and ruin everything. Opening her eyes, she remembered where she was and her memories of Alicia faded into the back of her mind. As Nicole and her female companion took it in turns to pleasure each other, they soon made their way to the hot tub. Minutes soon turned into what seemed like hours as they both enjoyed each other's company. It was only, in fact, a short amount of time. Relaxing in the water, Nicole closed her eyes as the bubbles massaged her body. Nicole felt no guilt over her actions. It was a sexual awakening for her. Why should she feel any remorse? After all, she has knees just as Magnus does. He would act in the same way if the roles were reversed and an attractive woman propositioned him. Would she blame him? No. Their marriage is a very open one, and she would not be surprised if he had had affairs. With his good looks, charming personality and charisma, who could resist him? Nicole certainly couldn't, and that was one of the reasons why she was drawn to him. She loved his meet-along King Kong Dong. Just thinking about her husband and the last antic in the bedroom made her pussy ache for him. Raking away from her revere, she'd noticed the time. It appears to be getting late. Taking the hint, her guest rose out of the water and wrapped a towel around her. I guess I should leave. She found her clothes, which were still on the floor in the living room where it had begun, and let herself out. As soon as she left the building, her phone rang. Hello? Did she take the bait? said the voice on the other end of the line. Yes, she did. Good. Wait for further instructions, Natalia. Yes, Mr. Magnus, Natalia replied before the call ended. Elsewhere, in Beaumont Avenue, a quiet cul-de-sac, Faye was recounting the day's events to her husband, Clive, in the living room over a cup of tea. And you wouldn't believe it, Clive. There was bubbly on the Italian leather, and I couldn't help myself. I swept it up with my finger. If I weren't so busy, I would have cleaned it up. It's definitely going to leave a stain on that sofa. As Faye carried on, Clive leaned back in his armchair and nodded at the right moments in her story. He couldn't help thinking how innocent his wife is and how she should never change. This is one of the reasons why he married her, for loving and carefree animated character, but there were times when he wondered if her naivety made her unaware of the true intentions of her company. It was obvious to him, but for a quiet life, it was better not to say anything. Chapter 5. Magnus It had been 63 days since Emily Cunningham last had sex. She knew this because the previous evening she had gone through the weekly ritual of standing up and announcing it. The seated ring of other sex addicts at her local clinic all clapped as usual. Today, she was so horny she could hardly concentrate on Daniel's pitch meeting. She looked around the room at her new team. Each one made her loins burn in a different way. Josh looked like the kind of man who had the stamina to go all night. Although she was not keen on Rebecca, she did have a scent that made Emily's mind swirl into memories of an old flame. Then there was Daniel, standing in front of the projector, captivating his audience. Emily couldn't take her eyes off the bulge in his trousers. She tried to suppress her yearnings by forcing herself to look into his eyes. But each time he smiled, she felt that familiar fire inside her. Even Nicole Turner, who had decided to sit at the back to observe the team's first meeting, made her go weak at the knees. 
Why was everyone in this company so goddamn good looking? Emily didn't know if she could stand it much longer. Daniel was wrapping up his pitch rehearsal for the new campaign they would be overseeing, when a door could be heard slamming in the outer room. All eyes went to the door as footsteps could be heard coming down the corridor. It opened with surprising power, and there in the doorway stood what Emily instantly knew to be the best looking man she'd ever laid her eyes on. He wore an Italian blue pinstripe suit, but his jacket was off and slung over his left shoulder. The sleeves of his crisp white shirt were rolled up, revealing a vintage silver Rolex. He was nearly six foot tall, slight stubble, tanned, and his wavy hair was black with the odd flash of silver. His eyes were dark and brooding. Emily's heart began to pound as he confidently strode into the room, scanning everyone's faces as if probing at their secrets. Magnus, said Nicole as she breathed. Even she seemed to be awestruck by his sudden appearance. Everyone knew that she and Magnus were married, but she didn't stand or go to him, nor did he cross the room and go to her. Both were so professional. He simply bowed his head slightly and said, Hello, Nicole. I guess that's the end of the meeting, said Nicole. Mr Finch and I have some matters to discuss, so... Nonsense, said Magnus, interrupting. I've flown in because I want to see how our new team are getting on. Looks like I interrupted Mr Hardwood delivering one of his famous talks. He slapped Daniel on the back and smiled. Nicole looked annoyed. Please carry on, Daniel. I'll just sit at the back here next to... Emily. You don't mind, do you, Emily? He pulled up a chair next to her. She could smell his cologne and it made her swoon. Of course not, Mr Finch. Magnus, he said, smiling, and looked right into her eyes. Please go on, Daniel. Daniel began speaking again, but Emily paid him no attention. The sheer presence of Magnus Finch beside her made her almost giddy. She glanced sideways at him and saw him nodding along with whatever it was Daniel was saying. She noticed the fine flecks of grey in his beautiful hair and thought how refined and mature this made him. She always favoured older men. She promised herself right then that if Magnus ever wanted her, he could have her. He could do whatever he liked to her. Was he the man she'd been trying to find her whole life? Were all those many, many sexual encounters just her body searching for her one true match? Searching for Magnus Finch? Emily glanced the other way and found Nicole scowling at her. At the front, Daniel mentioned Emily's name and she suddenly snapped out of her bubble. Is that alright with you, Emily? He repeated. Everyone turned to look at her. Uh, yes, she said, completely unsure what she was agreeing to. You're an absolute star, he said. I should think ten copies would be ample. He slid her a stack of papers. We'll go grab some lunch and we'll be back here at two to go over the next phase. Thanks, Emily. She grabbed the papers as everyone rose from their feet. Nicole moved straight for Magnus. We need to talk, she said. Shall we go to my office? He replied, looking over his shoulder as the room emptied. Emily watched them leave together, then tucked the papers under her arm and made off down the corridor. She was glad to enter the quiet copy room as it offered a place for her to calm down. The addition of Magnus to the already attractive office had worked her up into a sexual frenzy. She was craving a fucking more than ever. She put the first piece of paper into the copier and hit the big button. Nothing happened. She tried again, and this time an error warning flashed on the display. She frowned and started bashing buttons left, right and centre. Within minutes she was whacking the machine with half her might, perhaps trying to relieve the tension deep inside her. Eventually, she sank to the floor amongst a pile of paper. You're right, love, came a northern voice from the doorway. She turned to see a bearded man in grey overalls. He had his sleeves rolled up, revealing Celtic tattoos on each arm. His oak-like limbs were folded across his chest, and he leaned against the doorframe. That thing's bust, he said. I've come to fix it. 
Are you okay? He looked around 25 years old, very rugged, and had the look of a restless spirit. I'm fine, said Emily with a sigh. Just one of those days. I've got what you need, said the stranger as he walked towards her. Emily frowned as the man reached inside his breast pocket and pulled something small, long and white out. Fancy a talk? He held a spliff in front of her and she smiled. Oh, you fucking beauty, she said with glee. Not long later, they were up on the roof of Turner Finch's office. Emily was leaning over the railing, enjoying the breathtaking London skyline. The name's Ash, said the bearded man as he handed the joint back to her. I come up here sometimes when I'm having a shitty day. Emily nodded and inhaled deeply. She decided she liked Ash. He seemed like a genuinely decent sort, more so than many of the other employees she'd met so far in her short time at Turner Finch. Suddenly, muffled shouting could be heard coming from below. Oh, here we go again, said Ash. What is it? asked Emily, trying to work out where it was coming from. Follow me, said the printer technician. He walked to the other side of the rooftop towards a large skylight. He gestured for her to peep inside. She leaned over the edge to see an enormous office. What surprised the young redhead about this office was it was covered wall to wall in all sorts of worldly artefacts. On one wall she could see a series of moose heads. On another was a collection of samurai swords. There were multicoloured tapestries, ancient pots, ornate masks, didgeridoos. The whole room was chock-a-block with stuff. This belongs to one of them bosses, said Ash. Mr Finch, have you met him? Briefly, said Emily, moving closer, intrigued by the sight below. In the middle of the room was Magnus and Nicole, and they were screaming at each other. Emily could not make out many of the words. The extra thick double glazing muffled everything. But she thought at one point she heard the word accident, but she couldn't be sure. Then, out of nowhere, Magnus grabbed Nicole's face with a force that made Emily's eyes widen. He held her cheeks and passionately kissed her on the lips. Nicole melted into his arms as he picked her up and threw her back onto the desk. He reached between her legs and ripped off her French knickers, while Nicole clawed at his shirt buttons. Within seconds, he was balls deep inside her, and her screams of ecstasy were now surging upwards towards the skylight. They're at it again, said Ash. They do this a lot, questioned Emily. All the fucking time, lucky bastard, said Ash with a smile. Emily looked back down at the couple in the heat of passion. She could feel herself getting so wet by the sight of Magnus fucking his wife stupid. She yearned to be in Nicole's shoes. She could stand it no longer. She stood up and grabbed Ash by the lapels of his overalls. She forced her tongue into his mouth as he lifted her up, her legs wrapping around his waist and gripping him tightly. She moaned. What's your name? gasped Ash. I want you to fuck me like you don't know it, whispered Emily with a smile. Then an idea hit her and she pulled back. Not here, she said. Two minutes later they were back in the copy room. She sat on the machine with her legs around Ash's back as he fucked her hard. His hands were grabbing hold of her breasts and she could feel his scratchy beard against her cheek. All the while, she thought of Magnus. Up at the skylight, she'd caught a glimpse of his oversized penis and she imagined that it was his huge dong pumping away inside her. Mr Finch! She screamed aloud as she burst into orgasm. Ashton even seemed to notice. He was pounding away so furiously and soon followed Emily's lead, spraying his load deep inside her. The whole copier shook as their bodies shuddered in unison. Out of nowhere, the copier suddenly whirred into life. As Emily's orgasm subsided, she looked down and giggled as she saw copy after copy of her ass cheeks flying out of the machine and landing on the floor. Ash pulled out and buttoned up his overalls. 
Emily hopped down off the machine and offered him a high five. He slapped her hand and they laughed. Right, love, he said. I'd better get on. Fancy another go sometime? Hell yes, said the young redhead with a grin. Ash grabbed his tool bag and left. But what Emily didn't notice was Ash looking at a hidden camera on the wall and winking at it as he walked out of the room. Emily looked at her watch and panicked. It had been nearly two hours since Daniel's meeting had wrapped and she was very late now. She had decided not to bother doing his copies. He should have done them himself. She would find a good excuse. She always did. She dashed down the corridor and headed back to the meeting room. Magnus and Nicole did not return for the rest of the meetings and the afternoon went by in a blur. Daniel did not even seem to notice that she didn't do the paperwork and had treated herself to an extended lunch. Rebecca was being catty though. Fuck it, thought Emily. She's probably jealous because I'm ten years younger than her and I obviously get a lot more sex than she does. What a day it had been for young Emily Cunningham. She felt guilty for breaking her celibacy streak, but it was totally worth it. If she hadn't done it, she would have been so wound up all day she might have flown into one of her fiery rages. As she crossed the lobby of Turner Finch towards the exit, a rotund guard whom Emily knew to be Faye's husband, Clive, stopped her and asked her to accompany him to the security office. She panicked instantly. Clive waddled along to the small security room near the door and when he fished into his tight trousers for his keys, she caught sight of his balls creating a moose knuckle as they bulged through the fabric. What is this all about? she asked as they stepped inside. Oh, nothing to alarm you, said Clive with a smile. You've got a phone call, that's all. He picked up the office phone and handed it to her. Hello? she asked, uncertain. Emily, hi, it's Magnus. She went a little weak at the knees as she heard his voice. I want to see you in my office first thing tomorrow. The phone went dead and Emily went slightly pale. Did he know what happened in the copy room? Did he see her on the roof? Had she done something else wrong? These were the questions circulating through her head as she left the office, walked to the tube station and made her way home. They were still racing through her mind as she prepared for bed. You idiot, she said to herself as she was brushing her teeth. She really didn't want to lose another job because of her libido. Her history was so bad she wondered why Nicole Turner had hired her in the first place. Then shortly after she lay down in bed and turned her light off, it hit her and she sat up with a bolt. The copies! The bum copies! They were all over the copy room floor. Someone must have found them and reported them to Magnus. She didn't sleep all night and when she stepped through the doors of Turner Finch at 8am the next day, she was pale and shaking slightly. She had arrived early. She didn't want a dismissal in front of the rest of her team. Rebecca would love that, and she didn't want to give her the satisfaction. She entered the lift and rode it all the way to the top floor. When the doors opened, no one was around, and she made her way to Magnus's office. She stopped outside and gave herself a pep talk. She had decided that more important than keeping her job was trying to seduce Magnus. Fucking him was all that mattered now. If she was sacked, it didn't matter, it would just be another dismissal. But feeling Magnus's cock inside her was all that she wanted in her sorry life right now. She knocked and entered. Magnus was sitting at his desk, and the morning sun streaming through the window silhouetted him. Good morning, Mr Finch. You wanted to see me? She walked towards him, trying to make the walk as seductive as possible by leading with her breasts. He said nothing. Then she smiled, noticing that he was asleep, and the thought occurred to her to wake him up with one of her famous early morning blowjobs. But then she saw the blood and she screamed, running to his side. Beneath Magnus's slumped body, the crimson liquid was dripping from a huge gash in her employer's side. Her foot hit metal, 
and there on the floor lay one of the samurai swords, which had been taken from the wall. She touched his face, and it was cold despite the morning sun. Magnus was dead. Emily fled from the room, screaming for help. As she ran, she didn't notice a small red lapel pin lying on the floor near the sword rack. Chapter 6. Inspector Blackthorn. I'm so sorry I'm late. Thanks for waiting for me, she said frantically. As always, the tiniest bit of snow and the trains come to a standstill. No problem. Glad you're safely here, Daniel replied calmly. With that, the car engine started up and gently pulled off into the road. How are you? asked Josh. Yeah, I'm okay, replied Emily, almost as a reflex. No, really. How are you? Daniel said while looking at her directly, with a slight sympathetic head tilt. I'm doing much better. It's been a good week now since I last had the vision of his lifeless face wake me up in the middle of the night. So that's progress, I guess. Still, it must be nothing compared to what Nicole is going through, especially if the rumours are anything to go by. Let's leave the office gossip behind today, smirked Rebecca, before adding, I just can't believe it's been 13 weeks already. 13 weeks ago. Thursday, the 25th of August, 9.44, interview with Rebecca Rantree at New Road Station. For the purpose of the tape, I am in Detective Inspector Blackthorn. Please identify yourselves. To my left is DC Lucy Williams and representing Miss Rantree, Douglas Fairbrother. Mrs Rantree, thank you for attending today. The purpose of the interview is to ascertain your movements leading up to the death of Magnus Finch. Can you talk me through your day? Well, of course, Detective Inspector. I'd woken up in the morning. I was quite tired that day as our little girl had kept us up for a lot of the night. She's coming down with chickenpox, so she was quite restless. Thankfully, my wife, Bethany, uh, she's a stay-at-home mum, so I left her in her care and I got myself to work. I did the morning greetings, of which most people replied, well, those with courtesy. Who are you referring to, Miss Rantree? Please, call me Rebecca. I'm referring to Emily, Emily Cunningham. I'm sure she lives on another planet, or was raised by wolves. Why do you say that, Rebecca? Let's just say if she were a dog, which isn't too far stretched from the imagination, she'd have mated with the majority of the men's legs that work in the building. The way she was looking at Daniel whilst he was giving his presentation, ugh. Her eyeline was a good two to three feet lower than where it should have been. Are you aware if Miss Cunningham has had sexual relations with any of the employees? No, I, I don't have any firm knowledge, but I would be surprised if she hadn't. Even the way she reacted when Mr Finch entered the room, she just stared at him. She may as well have been drooling. Absolutely no decorum. What Nicole must have thought of that, I'm not sure. What was your perception of Nicole and Magnus's relationship? Well... They were both at the top of the game, leading very busy, successful lives, and they must have put a strain on their relationship, as I know Magnus was away a lot. When we broke for lunch that day, we could all hear them both rowing in Magnus's office. What were they arguing about? I couldn't make out the actual conversation, only words here and there. Even then, they were nothing of consequence. Can you recall any of these words? Um, There's only a couple I can be certain of, and they were brother... Rooster and accident. Yes, accident. Thank you, Miss Roundtree. Present day. Rebecca snapped out of her daydream as the car came to a final halt. Daniel exited the Rolls Royce first, holding the door open for the others. Jesus Christ, how cold is it today? Great choice of words, Rebecca, quipped Emily. 
Guys, voices down. Come on, they'll be here soon, Daniel said. So I guess a snowball fight is out of the question then, whispered Josh as he leaned towards Daniel's ear. Daniel gently shook his head in response. He appreciated the attempt of light humour. Let's go and stand out of the way. Over there, maybe, Daniel pointed. Lead the way, boss, replied Rebecca sarcastically. Daniel led the group along a cobbled pathway. As he looked up, snowflakes had started to gently float from the sky. Thirteen weeks ago, Thursday the 24th of August, 11.07 interview with Daniel Hardwood at New Road Station. For the purpose of the tape, I am Detective Inspector Max Blackform. Please identify yourselves. To my left is DC Lucy Williams. And representing Mr Hardwood, Eleanor Drinkwell. Mr Hardwood, thank you for attending today. The purpose of the interview is to ascertain your movements leading up to the death of Magnus Finch. Can you talk me through your day? Daniel was relaxed. After all, this was a voluntary affair. The fact his lawyer was there was purely protocol. His eyes wandered around the room. This was the first time he had been in an interview room at a police station. Of course, I'm happy to help. I mean, it's still such a shock. As for my day, well, it was a day like any other. I woke up, got ready, made my way into work. I was excited because we were running through our new campaign and I was presenting it to the team. Did anything seem out of the ordinary to you that day at work? No, not particularly. In fact, partway through the presentation, Mr Finch joined us to observe, which was really nice, especially as he commented on how he didn't want to miss out on one of my speeches. Did any of the team seem distracted or preoccupied? Um, well, Emily did take a longer lunch than we had planned. Actually, I'd asked her to make some copies of the information pack I'd drawn up. And when she returned about an hour later than everyone else, she didn't even have the copies with her. Apparently, the copier was bust or something. How did you perceive Magnus and Nicole's relationship? Well, I know it was strained. Nicole had eluded me to think as such anyway. She had said the odd thing here and there over the past few weeks. Were you aware of any argument that occurred between Nicole and Magnus? Well, yes. I think half of London must have heard it. And do you have any idea what it was about? No, I'm afraid not. Not a clue. Although... Word amongst others, not that I want to listen to gossip, but some things you can't help but overhearing, was that it was typical of the pair. Are you sure? No idea at all? No? Well, the odd word could be heard when it was shouted, like, brother. Mr Hardwood, one last thing. Can you confirm whose address it was you left the morning before you arrived at Turner Finch? Uh, what? What do you mean? You weren't at home the night before, were you, Mr Hardwood? Uh, no, but no. You were at the house of Nicole Turner, Magnus Finch, weren't you? Yes. Was Magnus Finch at the house that night? Well, no, but you stayed over that night. Yes. Mr Hardwood, did you have sex with Nicole Turner? Present day. The growing crowd were being dusted in white as the snow fell with greater momentum. As Emily began to shiver, Daniel took off his overcoat and popped it over her to keep her warm, maintaining his chivalrous reputation. Rebecca uttered something under her breath. Oh, what's the deal with you two? said Josh. With that, the hearse arrived and the crowd's murmur fell dead silent. The undertaker opened the car door and out came Magnus's parents, the father first, who in turn aided his wife out onto the snowy ground. Joseph and Penelope stood arm in arm by the car while the pallbearers opened the rear door of the hearse to remove the coffin. The shadow of two other figures could be seen inside the car. Her identity was unclear. Daniel whispered into Emily's ear as he rubbed her arms. Are you warm enough? Mm, 
much better, she said softly, whilst Josh and Rebecca watched, trying to make out what was said. Thank you for being the best boss ever. Thirteen weeks ago. Thursday the 24th of August, 1431, interview with Emily Cunningham at New Road Station. For the purpose of the tape, I am Detective Inspector Blackthorn. Please identify yourselves. To my left is DC Lucy Williams and representing Miss Cunningham, Ken Murdoch. Miss Cunningham, thank you for attending today. The purpose of the interview is to ascertain your movements leading up to the death of Magnus Finch. Can you talk me through your day? The first thing that Emily noticed was that DC Williams was wearing Chanel a perfume that tugged at Emily's heartstrings, always reminding her of the only person she had ever really loved, the one person which left a void in her life that she'd been trying to fill with casual sex ever since. Emily tried to compose herself to answer the questions as best she could, but the memories the perfume invoked were bittersweet. Run-of-the-mill day, really? Care to elaborate further? Did anything out of the ordinary happen? Well, the photocopier was broken, but thankfully I ran into a maintenance guy and, well, he helped me out. And his name was... Oh, um, Ash, I think he said. The detectives looked at each other and Blackthorn nodded. Excuse me a moment, Miss Cunningham, we just need to step outside. Interview suspended at 14.40. Blackthorn paused the tape whilst he and DC Williams exited the room. Lucy, go back through the company's personnel files. I don't remember seeing a photocopy engineer on the books, nor anyone called Ash... Inside the room, Emily turned to her legal aide. Hmm, Chanel. Always reminds me of Bethany. Present day. That was such a beautiful service, sobbed Faye as she huddled into Clive's arms. Come on, darling, let's head back to the office and make sure everything is ready in the lobby for the wake. I still think it's a bizarre place to hold it, said Clive. Oh, I think it's a lovely idea. This was his creation, his baby. It meant everything to him. Clive and Faye bumbled off towards the car. Did you see his brother? She said as they headed off. Whilst various members of the crowd walked up in turn to pay their respects to the coffin which had now been committed to the ground, Josh discreetly asked Dan for a quiet word. He led him round the side of the church. You are right, buddy. What's up? inquired Daniel. I know you've been a rock for everyone today. Well, I just want to let you know that I'm here for you. If you need support or need to offload... Or for whatever. You're a sweet guy. Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate it, said Daniel, as he extended his arm forwards for a handshake. Screw the handshake. Give us a hug, Josh said cheekily. They briefly embraced, but this quick encounter was all Daniel needed to instantly recall their previous liaison. As if Josh knew this, he pressed his groin into Daniel to ensure he remembered that cock once more. A large proportion of the mourners followed back to the office for the wake. The lobby had been transformed into a shrine of Magnus. His pictures and portraits were displayed proudly for all to admire. A waiter's service offering tea, coffee, canapes circled among the congregation. Within the crowd were smaller circles of friends and acquaintances, talking between themselves, sharing memories and Magnus-based anecdotes with one another. And knitting these independent circles together was one woman, beautifully cloaked in black, thanking each and every one for attending and listening in on their stories, hoping that she might learn something new about her beloved Magnus. She approached a small group which contained her in-laws. Thank you for standing by me throughout all these years, but more so for the past 13 weeks. It really feels like I've been to hell and back, said Nicole. Put all that behind you. We're just sorry that Miles has gone off the rails in the last few years. 
Magnus would be furious that his own twin would have failed to support his wife, which he doted on so much. The three of you used to be so close. Thank you, Penelope. Yes, we did. A long time ago now. Would you excuse me for a moment? I just need a breather. Nicole snuck upstairs, seemingly unnoticed. However, Daniel clocked her walking in the rough direction of her office. I just guess you never know how someone is really feeling inside, blubbered Faye onto Daniel's shoulder. Here, dry your eyes. Daniel reached into his top pocket and pulled out a clean hanky and handed it over to Faye. You must have quite a stash of these, she said back at him. Daniel placed his hand on Faye's back. Please excuse me. With that, he drifted away to try and locate Nicole. He ventured up the stairs to her office. Unbeknown to Daniel, Josh was watching his movements. Daniel found Nicole in her office, leaning back onto her desk. He looked her up and down. He noticed she had wasted no time in removing her heels and returned to her typical barefoot manner. She was wearing a beautifully simple yet elegant black dress, which clung to her hourglass figure like a second skin. Nicole, I hope you don't mind. I saw you sneak away and I just wanted to check in on you. Sweet, sweet Dan. Come here. Please do me a favour, she asked. Of course, anything. Unzip this sodding dress for me, will you? Uh, sure. As Daniel walked to Nicole, she turned around, placed her hands on the desk and bent over slightly for Daniel to unzip her. He placed his hands gently on her shoulders, just so she knew he was there and about to begin. He slowly started to unzip the back of her dress. Nicole pushed her bum into his groin and she said softly, All the way. Daniel took a second. He had wanted Nicole from before the day he met her. Could he? Yes. Would he? No. This is the grief talking. No, no, she's vulnerable. I don't think that's a good idea. Not today, Daniel advised. Nicole turned around to look at Daniel square in the eyes. Her right hand cupped and gently squeezed Daniel's ample package. Yes, today. Back in the lobby, Josh began to worry that Daniel might need comforting he had offered earlier. He told Emily he was going to go and check on him, just to make sure he was okay, as he'd been gone a while. Josh scuttled around upstairs, gazing through various doors before coming to Nicole's office. He peeked through the glass door. He saw Nicole naked on her desk, with Daniel ploughing her bearded oyster. Nicole caught Josh's eye through the door and gestured for him to come in. Shit! exclaimed Daniel as he heard the door opening. Don't stop, Dan. Josh, you, come here. Uh, I'll, I'll just shut the door, Josh said. It's fine. Come here, Nicole instructed. Josh approached her. Strip she commanded. Nicole's hand extended out to reach Josh's massive cock. Now, let me show you what I can do with this, said Nicole, as she widened her mouth. Nicole licked the head of the shaft of Josh's cock before slowly devouring the full length of his joystick. She could feel it thicken and harden in her mouth and her throat as she did so. Daniel looked on in admiration as he rhythmically pulled out of Nicole and slid fully back inside. Wow, said Josh. There's very few that can do that to me. Josh slowly pulled his cock out of Nicole's mouth and gently fed it to her before fully plunging into her beautifully pursed red lips. Daniel started to push harder and faster and the sound of his balls could be heard slapping on Nicole's leg. The three of them fell into sync with one another, with momentum flowing through them like a Newton's cradle. Nicole could feel the pre-cum from both males starting to trickle inside her. They were at one, moaning, groaning, sweating and writhing together. They were totally oblivious to the creak of the door being closed. Well, 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 you waste no time. Leave us, said Nicole sternly. 
The two guys scrambled to pick up their clothes and headed to the boardroom across the hallway to get changed. Fuck! 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 Daniel mumbled as he scurried down the corridor. Don't worry, reassured Josh as they entered the seclusion of the boardroom. It's a shame we didn't get to finish though, right? Said Josh with a glint in his eye. Yeah, gasped Daniel. Well, we're both here and this door has a lock on it. I see you're still hard as a rock. Uh, okay, laughed Daniel. Josh remained silent and fixed his face onto Daniel, only raising a single eyebrow. Well, what are you proposing? Daniel nervously said. Whatever you're comfortable with, answered Josh sensitively. You're like a penis flytrap. <laughs> a what? chuckled Josh. I swear it's a movie reference, said Daniel, trying to avoid further embarrassment. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but in for a penny and all that? Come here then. Josh walked towards Daniel, with one hand forward pushing on Daniel's pegs, guiding him to walk backwards until his back was against the wall. He planted a single kiss on his lips, then slowly trailed his hand in a southerly direction down his torso, rippling over his washboard stomach before slowly kneeling before him. Thirteen weeks ago. Interview resumed at 18.57. Thank you for your patience, Nicole. Let's pick up from where we left off. Tell me about your relationship with Miles Finch. We were best friends. Sometimes we clicked more than Magnus and I did. He was so much like his brother, but at the same time he was everything Magnus wasn't. He was fire, he was ice, totally impulsive, totally unpredictable, so unpredictable, and an absolute cunt. Tell me what happened. I met Magnus through Miles. Me and Miles went way back. We first met when I lived in America. Oh God. Nicole started sobbing. Well, I'm sure if you don't know it already, it will come out, so it's best you hear it from me. I used to star in blue movies in the US. I used it to pay for my college fees. Miles was the producer of most of the films I was involved in. It was his label. He was the guy to keep on side. He was very charming and easy on the eye. There's a standard way girls interview for roles in the industry, so Miles tried me out on one of the sets. I won't lie. It was amazing, and it wasn't forced. He, of course, used the pretense of, we need to know how you look on the camera bullshit. We had sex a few more times after that, but always under the charade of it being professional. He was a very hands-on producer, and would often show the male stars the angles and positions he wanted by doing the stunts himself. It was a couple of years later we grew even closer after a relationship I was in with a co-star ended. He was up for an industry award for best erotic film of the year. It was to be the last film I starred in, and it was called Mossy Jaw 2, The Penis Flytrap. His brother attended the evening with us at the award ceremony. It was in some swanky venue, all glitz and glamour. I was wearing a very skimpy dress. Commander, of course. You had to be the part, you see. They took it really seriously. It was that night, the first time I met Magnus. We exchanged several glances, and the first time we locked eyes, I knew he was the one. For me, the love was instant. I knew I had to quit the industry if I was to ever going to be with him. We talked on and off through the night and I was hooked. I think he was too. Miles didn't win the award, so you can imagine he was pissed off. The event held a free bar, so he was knocking back the whiskies like water. He was soon becoming an embarrassment. I thought it best to drive him home. I had stayed sober all night as I didn't drink back then. I had to prevent him from making a complete tit of himself in front of all his peers. I bundled him into his car and started driving, constantly thinking of Magnus and trying to think how I was ever going to tell Miles I was quitting. In this drunken state, he was mouthing off, blaming me for not winning the award. 
How could he win, he was saying, with a lead girl with a rancid clam, hairy tits and a flat ass. I knew he didn't mean it, but I wanted to hurt him back, so I didn't hesitate to tell him I was quitting. He didn't take it well. I was so scared what he'd do when I told him the reason behind leaving. Like I said before, he could be fire and ice, but I owed it to him to make sure he heard it from me. Probably wasn't the best time to come clean, but he kept shouting at me, Why? 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 So I told him why. He went silent and still. I didn't know what he was thinking. I kept driving. I was just entering his town. I was desperate to get home and to bed. That's when he started... Oh, sorry. Nicole took a minute to compose herself. He started to abuse me. Verbally, physically, sexually. Of course I shouted. I yelled for him to stop and get off me. I was trying to bat his arms away, but that's when it happened. He appeared from nowhere. I tried to break, but it was too late. I was too close. As much as I tried to swerve, it was inevitable. I hit a cyclist. Mason Rodriguez. Although the inquest found me not guilty, if he hadn't been doing that, I might have had more time. Nicole. It's okay, take a minute, said the inspector. We know of the case. The toxicology report shows he was full to the brim with alcohol and class A's. He had no lights on the bike, no safety gear, and witnesses saw him ride straight into the road. Sadly, he was an accident waiting to happen. It's not the point. If I hadn't have been distracted for one brief moment, there could have been a chance. Anyway, from that night, Miles and I had a deal. A deal which was upheld until recently. He knew he was to blame for what happened to that guy. And he also knew he was guilty of sexually assaulting me. I told him I wanted a clean break. I didn't want him in mine or Magnus's life anymore. He was to remain silent about ever having sex with me and I wouldn't blab about the attempted rape and accident. It seemed simple enough for the first few years, all went to plan. I married the man of my dreams, and I was free of that lech. As Magnus and I became more and more successful, I received a letter from him. He wanted money. He had lost control of his life and became an addict. Blackmail was his game now, his leverage being my audition tapes with him that he had kept and he was threatening to send to Magnus. Financially, we were well off. I wanted to silence him. I couldn't possibly lose Magnus, so I paid. The only problem being was this set of precedent. A few months later, another demand, and for more money. Then again, a few months later, and for more money. The gaps in time narrowed, and the amounts increased, and the tech started. I didn't know what I was going to do. I couldn't carry on like this, with the stress of not knowing what was coming next. I was getting ready to come clean about everything, but then a few months ago, my anguish was resolved. I had a call from his cell phone. Magnus was away, so I answered. At first, I thought it was him. Magnus? asked the inspector. No, Miles. Although they even sounded alike. They often got mistaken for each other. It was a hospital worker in the States. Miles had passed from a cardiac incident or something, and I was the last person he had texted. So they called me as he had no next of kin on record. I lied and told him he had no family left. How was yours and Magnus's relationship after his desk? asked the inspector. Well, I couldn't tell Magnus about Miles' passing, not to begin with. As far as Magnus was concerned, he had cut all ties with us years ago. Me then getting this information would result in skeletons falling out of closets everywhere. The guilt of it slowly ate away at me. I would pick fights with him. I mean, we always bickered, but they were explosive. Then that led up to the biggest argument we ever had, the day before Magnus died. He knew. He knew everything. Miles had sent him the video before he went on his final drinking binge. Magnus had ignored it for ages. 
Then he said he finally gave in to temptation and watched it last week and cut his overseas excursion short to come back and have it out with me. Nicole started crying again. I've never seen him look so disappointed and so sad. He kept saying he had nothing to live for anymore. How Miles had tainted everything. He couldn't believe I had gone through what I'd gone alone. And at the hand of his twin. I felt responsible. I couldn't understand why I couldn't have trusted him. He said he needed to be alone. I disagreed. He started on a Japanese whiskey collection he had been collecting for some time. I begged him to stop. It felt like the beginning of Miles' demise all over again. The more I begged, the more he drank. There was no bargaining with him. He said it was me that drove Miles to his grave, and it would be me that will drive him to his. I felt it best to leave. My being there was agitating him even more, but I asked him to promise me that he'd do nothing stupid or untoward. His reply was the only stupid thing he'd ever done was marrying me. With that I left, totally destroyed. I went home and polished off a bottle of chili and chardonnay, laid on a settee with the TV on, not that I was watching, it was the voices, almost like a comfort blanket and I must have passed out. Then when I awoke, my phone was ringing. I missed the call, but I had a text from Magnus. It had a voice message attached, which I showed you earlier. Nicole started to sob once more. For the purpose of the tape, the voice message was Magnus saying the following, this is the final goodbye. There is no other way. I don't blame you. I love you, Nick. Mrs. Turner, you've shown great strength. Thank you for your total cooperation. Several weeks had passed whilst Blackthorn continued with his investigations. With each week that passed, rumours and speculations about Nicole's involvement became front-page gossip at Turner Finch. The police later notified Nicole that from all the evidence and statements they had obtained, that they had concluded this was an act of suicide. Present day. Well, thanks for that, said Daniel as he caught his breath. Literally any time, Dan, Josh replied, hoping it would be allowed to shorten the name of the man he can't stop thinking about, the man who had started to develop feelings for. Who do you reckon that woman was earlier? questioned Josh. Not a clue, said Dan, and they both started to redress themselves. They both headed back to rejoin the crowd downstairs. As they passed Nicole's office, they slowed slightly to try and eavesdrop. I see you keeping those jaws of yours in good condition. Alicia, what are you doing here? exclaimed Nicole. I came to offer my condolences after hearing the news. I would have been at the service, but the flight was delayed and accused of immigration will fuck my life. Anyway, sugar, I'm here now. It's so good to see you. So happy you want to flip me over and have your way with me too? Nicole chuckled. That was just for comfort. You know, Leash. Old habits die hard. Come downstairs, get some refreshments. You must be exhausted. Must have been years since you saw Magnus last, Nicole continued. Quite the contrary, in fact. I saw him and Miles having a chimwag in his office at the studio about four months ago. Nicole didn't react to this, but casually nodded. Four months ago? That was the start of Magnus's trip to Ethiopia. What was he doing in LA? And why had he not mentioned it? She knew there was more to this story, and had every intention to pick at that thread later. Of course, you'll be staying at mine tonight, Leash, propositioned Nicole. That's okay, sweetie pie. I don't want to put you out. I made reservations at some hotel. Rubbish. I won't hear about it. Besides, I'll be glad of the company and we can have a good catch-up. The congregation was complete again and everyone back in the lobby. Well, all but one. Alone in the CCTV room, sat with her headphones in, firmly glued to the screens in complete disbelief, she desperately scrambled to get her phone out. Shit. 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 Come on. Pick up. Pick up. Pick up. Hello, said a gruff voice. 
Time for a port, she said. Talk, replied the voice. Well, she bought it. The day had gone perfectly to plan. It was rehearsed well enough. It should have done. Wait, you said had. All of the months of planning, meticulous organising, all that effort. Oh, we have a problem. Talk. Alicia is here. Who? The ex-girlfriend. Silence befell the conversation. Are you still there? said Natalia, frustrated. Hello? Hello? Damn it! Answer me! Natalia became increasingly frustrated. Magnus! She saw you with Miles in LA at the abduction. Thank you.